Take your Bibles while you're standing. Go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. As you're turning there, thank you ushers for doing a tremendous job today helping find seats. Thank you, uh, congregation, for helping them find seats. Isn't it good to start out the new year that way? Matthew 22, begin with verse 34, and then we're going to jump over to Matthew 28. These are core scriptures for the body of Christ. As we look at the mission and why we are to engage in this mission, because he is worthy. Matthew 22, look at verse 34, just getting in the context of what we call the great commandment. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. It's the only thing that brought them together, their hatred for Christ. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Take your Bible and go to Matthew 28 and verse 18. It's the Great Commission. Familiar, after the resurrection, Jesus said, I'll meet you in Galilee. And he came and he met his disciples and he reminded them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you've not committed these two passages to memory, that would be a good challenge for 2018 because they are core value passages for the body of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the joy of worship. We thank you for the privilege to open the word. And Father, we ask now that by your spirit you would teach. Let the spirit of truth guide us in truth. Keep our minds alert. Give us understanding. But Father, give us a desire to obey. Help us to be faithful stewards of the mission that you've called us to be about. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Someone once said, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will make a great church, and I agree. I remember reading that in The Purpose Driven Life and The Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren. What is, then, your personal commitment to the great commandment? How are you doing with loving the Lord your God with all that is within you, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? How are you doing with making disciples? What is your personal investment in identifying those around you that need to know about Jesus, investing into their life, inviting them to come into a relationship with Christ with a gospel conversation, inviting them to come and experience the teaching of God's Word, the preaching of God's Word, and the community of faith? How are you doing in your personal involvement there? I am thrilled at the onset of a new year to be able to share with you uh, the mission of Liberty Baptist Church through the lens of what we're calling a 2020 vision. Can't help but think about eyesight when I hear that phrase, 2020 vision. 
I said, what in the world does that mean? Well, if you go to an eye doctor, he talks about your, your normal vision acuity, that ability to see clearly and sharply at a certain distance measured at 20 feet. So if you have 20-20 vision, you can see clearly at 20 feet what you should normally be seeing at a distance. By the way, 20-20 vision is not perfect vision. It's a standard. It's that which we see with clarity and we see with sharpness. So I'm going to spin off of that eye concept and I'm going to put it in a spiritual context and put it in the context of the next three years. This is 2018 and three years by the end of uh, three years of 2020. Where can we be as a body of Christ called Liberty Baptist Church? I wish to create a greater clarity of vision about disciple making at Liberty Baptist what does that look like? What is your involvement? Where are you in that picture? On the other hand, I wish to bring into focus some tangible components of this disciple-making strategy. What would that look like over the next three years? Here's the vision that I have for Liberty Baptist. The 2020 vision, as we call it, is a vision for great commission impact for a disciple-making strategy at Liberty Baptist Church so we can be a vibrant, gospel-advancing body of believers in Chelsea, near and far, here and around the world. Now, there's some questions on your notes that were in the bulletin. They're not new. You've seen these before, and you're going to see them again. First of all, who are we? We need to be reminded who we are and why we're here, and we ask that question as far as who are we as the people of God. So that's who we are. We are the people of God. First Peter 2, 9, Peter says and reminds us that you once were not a people, but now because you have been born again, because you've been brought out of darkness into light, now you are the people of God, God's own people. The Bible in the New Testament also says you are the body of Christ, of which he is the head. In other words, we are possessed by Christ. We are owned by him. We're not our own. The New Testament also bears witness that we, as the people of God, as the body of Christ, are also the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. So what happens when we're born again? God allows His Spirit, His abiding presence to be with us and within us, and we individually as believers and corporately as the church are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. That's who we are. Toward the end of the New Testament in Revelation, we're, we're uh, hearing that we are the bride of Christ. That is a place of honor. That is a special place to be called in Scripture, the bride of Christ. You are someone special as a child of God. Here's my favorite one. We are the church. And you can write that in. We are the church, and dear church, our mission matters. Why are we here? We exist to develop people, to be faithful followers of Christ who make disciples, who make disciples, who do what? Make disciples. We know that. Matthew 28. Let me give you one of my favorite definitions of a disciple. It's called 3Ds of a disciple, 3D definition. A true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is one who is devoted to Jesus Christ alone one who is developing in character and competencies to be like Christ, 
We're devoted to, we're developing to be like, but also, number three, here's where we miss it, church. We are deployed into the ministry of Jesus by reaching the lost, and we personally, one by one, disciple by disciple, investing in a few. So where are you in this disciple-making strategy? Number one, are you a born-again believer? Are you a disciple of Christ? If you are, how are you loving Him? Do you love Him with all that is within you, all that you have and all that you are? If you are, then who are you investing in to help them in this journey to grow up to be like Christ? We are the church, and our mission matters. Amen? Got a few amens there. Had to beg for it, but I got it. Jesus did not give a mission to his church. Hear me now. He formed a church for his mission. He had always had in mind a gospel-forming people to be on mission in a gospel mission. And so Jesus formed the church to be about the mission that he had ordained to spread the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Coach Vince Lombardi is the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers. It's said that at the beginning of every football season, in front of professional players, those who got paid to play, he would stand in front of his new team and he would hold up the football and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. You've heard that story perhaps. But it didn't matter how many years they had played. It didn't matter uh, how many accolades they had had. It didn't matter that they had reached a professional status. He took them back to the basics, and, and in his training camp, he practiced the basics over and over and over again. Here's what I know. We need more preachers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Vince Lombardis in front of our churches and remind us we are the church. And this mission called Making Disciples matters, and that's the only thing that matters as we look toward our Savior. We need to get back to our business. The greatest need in our generation for the church today is for the church to be the church. Not do church, not go through the motions, but actually be the church and paint the picture of Christ in the culture in which we live today. So what is the vision? We have one mission, one mission to make disciples. Our State Board of Missions, the Alabama Baptist Convention, we say it all the time. We have one mission, the Great Commission. What is that? Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. In a sentence, the 2020 vision is to cultivate, cultivate a disciple-making culture. A disciple-making culture to create that environment that when we gather, there is an anticipation of being equipped to be a faithful follower of Christ by what you hear, what's being taught, what's being preached, by the opportunities to serve and equip others, the saints, for the work of ministry, by the opportunity to come together and corporately worship. I pray with all my heart, God, help us at Liberty cultivate a disciple-making culture that becomes more about sending out than a seating capacity. Those seating capacities we look around today is something we have to consider, right? It's very important. So in other words, everything that we do at Liberty Baptist needs to be gospel-saturated and measured through the lens of disciple-making. 
gospel-saturated, and measured through the lens of disciple-making. This is not new, but we need to refocus. Now, how do you measure a disciple-making culture? I'm glad you asked. Next on your sermon notes. How do you measure it? There's some blanks there. It's harder to measure some of these things. But what does a disciple-making culture really look like? First of all, there's going to be spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation. What in the world is that? It means there are going to be people that noticeably are changing. People who are changing to be more like Christ. Their mindset takes on the mind of Christ that we learn through Scripture. When we take on the mind of Christ that we learn in Scripture, then our conversation begins to change. One of the key indicators, it's less about me. And it's a whole lot more about Christ. It's less about my personal preference. And it's a whole lot more about being obedient with all that I am and all that I have for the glory of God. And so spiritual transformation, that is God's purpose for every believer to grow up to be more like Christ. How do we see that happening? Well, I think growing commitments in weekly worship. It's always a good push at the beginning of the year. We seem to pick up a little bit more after the first of the year and our worship space gets a little tighter and our life groups may gain a little momentum. We pray that'll happen all year long. Uh, and, And so we see greater attendance when that commitment in the heart begins to increase and spiritual transformation happens. We see more commitment in life group, but also... We see more people getting out of their seats and standing to serve their Lord in whatever capacity God has equipped them to do so. In other words, leaders are being found and being developed and you're taking a lead and serving in the kingdom of God. How do we see spiritual transformation? Well, we'll see more people stand in front of you and profess their faith publicly as brand new believers who heard the good news of Jesus Christ and who gave their life to him, surrendered to him, and were born again. That would be a good day, wouldn't it, to see more new converts coming to know Christ? So spiritual transformation will be evident when leaders are being developed, when new converts are happening, when we see other believers investing into other believers, helping them to grow up in Christ's likeness, and when we see numbers of commitment growing stronger. But secondly, we also see a ministry expansion. Ministry expansion. If we have a disciple-making culture and we're really serious about it, then you're going to continue to see in your bulletin that there is a new life group being formed this week. I'm glad we can announce that this week. There's some new life groups that are happening. You're going to continue to see life groups multiply. And Some of you get heartburn when I use that word and we talk about life groups multiplying. We're going to come back as to why you would do that, why you would have heartburn and be uncomfortable at the end. But hang on to that heartburn. Just hang on to it. I'm going to give you some tums in a minute, all right? And so we, we're going to see ministry expansion. Look around. Much growth at all, we're going to have to do something different with worship. And I announced it a while back. The next logical step for a Liberty Baptist Church is add an additional worship service on a Sunday morning, which probably means around 8, 15, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. 
And, and so that still is the next logical step for church growth and for strategy of disciple-making at Liberty Baptist. Now, all of you uh, kind of start squirming and you start asking questions I really don't have good answers for right now. The first question you wanna gotta, you're going to want to ask is, all right, preacher, I've heard you say it again and again and again. You're going to hear me say it again and again. When are we going to do it? Enough already. When's it going to happen? To the best of my ability... All I can tell you right now is when it's time. Staff knows this. They're all sitting around the table looking at me with big eyes going, all right, just tell us when. Just tell us when. We're ready. We're ready to roll. We're ready to go. Uh, Right now, I don't know, but look around. Here's some logical points to consider. There's some logical times to have new beginnings. First of the year is one of them. Easter is one of them. When school starts back is one of them. Those are beginning points with a big push that are logical times. It most likely would center around one of those, and most likely it's coming in 2018. Could it come at Easter? Just look around. It could. But we better hurry up, buckle our seatbelt, and get ready if it's coming at Easter. But here's another thing as far as ministry expansion. Uh, part of ministry expansion is taking care of the facilities that we have. We're about to pay this off next month or two. Uh, this, this renovation project of the worship center is going to be paid off. But, dear church, we're going to be rolling out another recommendation for you. There's an education building right over here that is 20 years old. It needs attention. When the preacher starts getting notes from girls' uh, Sunday school class, life group classes, begging to get away from a chalkboard that they can't clean and get to something, maybe a dry board. Can you get us a dry board in here? We need to consider renovation over here in the education part. Wouldn't you agree? If you don't believe me, just go room to room, walk around, look at it, look at the ceiling, look at the floor, look at the walls. It's, it's time. You're going to hear more about that. But ministry expansion, new ministries starting. There's some of you that God has gifted to begin ministries we don't yet have. And when you love Jesus supremely and God puts that burden on your heart, you're going to be coming to Leon or you're going to be coming to one of us on staff and you're going to be saying, hey, God's put this on my heart. I really believe this is my calling in, in the area that I need to serve in. Uh, and we're going to say, How can we help you? How can we make that happen? There are going to be new ministries developing in the life of Liberty Baptist that help equip disciples to be like Christ. There will be missions advancement. That's number three. How do you measure a disciple-making culture? Spiritual transformation, ministry uh, growth, and, and then missions advancement. Missions advancement, building partnerships with church planners, with other churches for the sake of advancing the gospel. North American Mission Board has identified five regions. One of my heartbeats and has been for several years is for Liberty Baptist to have a personal relationship with a church planner or a church in every one of those five regions. Out west, we have Edward Paws in Oakland that we have our ongoing relationship with that you support through our monthly budget sum and a phenomenal work going on in Oakland and in some of the impoverished areas there. Uh, we have a partnership with Michael Glosier in New Orleans area uh, as he is there faithfully serving the Lord, and, and you support him. You may not know that, but you do, uh, and, and we support that work that is going on there. A new relationship with, with Daryl Brunson in Montana. we got 
had a trip planned this summer for a second time to go and help Daryl build a church there in Montana. And so those are three partnerships that are ongoing. Then there's the Northeast, and then there's Canada. We want, we pray that we'll expand in partnerships. But also, there might be opportunity for Liberty Baptist, even in our county, to be involved in church planting, whether we plant our own church, whether we partner with others planting a church, or even church revitalization. As we hear from the Lord, as we have opportunity, you'll hear more about that. But the fourth thing that you can measure a disciple-making culture is numerical increase. It's just automatic. It's not all about numbers, but numbers have names. Names have souls, and souls matter to Jesus, and they ought to matter to us. And so numerical increase, if we are healthy, based on the context that we live in, we must grow. We don't have an option to whom much is given. Look at Chelsea, Alabama, Shelby County, Alabama. Liberty Baptist was planted here almost 172 years ago. That's not by accident. If we stay healthy and we stay focused on our mission, church, we will grow far beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. I can see us in three years, in 2020, baptizing 100 on an average. That's eight a month. That's two a week. I can see us at Liberty Baptist doubling the number in the worship center that we currently have. On your notes, you see where we are, the current reality. We currently have 620 on the average in the worship center, not counting preschool, not counting children's worship. And it's easy to understand that we could easily double in worship over a three-year period. You might say, that's ridiculous. We had not doubled in the last 20 years. What makes you think? Well, I think we have. Uh, uh, What makes you think we're going to do it now? If each one of us would ask God to put in our path one other person, and over the next three years invest in that person and see them come to Christ and come to church with us at Liberty Baptist, if each one of us would reach one person over three years, there's your double, right? That's doable. In fact, that would be being obedient. That's 1,200 in worship. But it's going to take that third worship hour. And dear church, the best I can tell you is buckle your seatbelt. It's a coming. And the next question other than when is what's it going to look like, right? That's what you want to know. I don't know. Boy, I'm making you mad, aren't I? I can't tell you when and I can't tell you what. Here's what I do know. It's going to be Christ-exalting. It will be authentic worship, and it will be based on the personnel that God puts in place at Liberty Baptist Church. It will be good because it's not going to be about you, and it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about the Lord Jesus Christ, and any time He is lifted high, it is good. And once we love to learn to love the Lord our God supremely, love Him first, love Him most, it really won't matter whether or not it fits my personal preference or somebody else's. What matters is we celebrate our Savior as we gather for worship. So I don't think God's going to rally around my preference nor yours. He's going to lead us to bring Him glory, and I'm good with that. What if life groups hit 1390? 1,390. That's kind of keeping pace with that worship number. That scares me to death, and and it makes Leon rub the rest of the hair off his head. Uh, It's tough. Road tide. 
That was just wrong, right? That was just wrong. Hey, Leon's got the numbers. And happy anniversary to Leon and Twyla, nine years at Liberty Baptist. Here's what I know. We're more focused on disciple-making today, nine years later, than we were nine years ago. And it's uh, a big thanks to Leon and Twyla and their family being here and investing in Liberty Baptist. So. Leon's just waiting on me to say, go. Here's what we know. If that 1390 comes to reality, that's 126 adults a year that we've got to gain, 31.5 a quarter, 42 students, 10 and a half per quarter, 31 children, 8 per quarter. We have room, 26 preschool, uh, and 6 and a half per quarter, and we have room. It means we're going to have to average 600 visitors a year. Dear Liberty Baptist, they're here. They're out there. Can I remind you, the city of Chelsea is the second fastest growing city in the state of Alabama. Shelby County is running one and two in the fastest growing county in Alabama. God has placed us in a growth context, and to whom much is given, much is required. Again, it's not all about numbers, but numbers have names. Names have souls. Souls matter to Jesus, and dear God, help them to matter to us. Where we currently are, 620 Worship center average, life group, 715, counts everybody. Here's an indicator, too. Uh, average age of adults in life group at Liberty Baptist Church is 52. The median age in Chelsea, Alabama, is 38. And so uh, what we have seen in the trajectory, one of the current concerns that we have as a church and concern that the body of Christ has beyond Liberty Baptist in America is churches seem to be growing older and older while their contexts seem to be growing younger and younger. And so that means we really have to pray about being serious. How do we engage the next generation with the gospel? What's it going to take to reach them? Here's what we know in our school system. In our elementary schools, the three put together, there's almost 2,200 students in elementary, over 1,000 middle school students, and over over 1,200 high school students, right at 4,500 students in Chelsea, Alabama. The harvest is here. The opportunity for growth is there, and we must be faithful stewards with the gospel. But hang on. If we're healthy and if we're faithful to the mission, there's going to be some exponential growth called uh, new converts and disciples at Liberty Baptist. But some of us want to push back and say, well, I don't know if I want to be involved in a church like that. I don't want to change. I don't want to multiply. I'm getting nervous every time Leon or Kyle sticks their head in the door and starts talking about multiplying, finding that next leader, finding that next group. And, and why would we do that? Why would we sacrifice? Hang on, we'll go come back to that. How are we going to get there? One disciple at a time. You know how you eat an elephant? Georgians go try tomorrow night, but they may get gagged. I don't know, so... That's two. I don't know something about that bright shirt I saw before church has set me off. That's of least importance, isn't it? One disciple at a time. One brother in Christ at a time. One sister in Christ at a time. How do we get there? It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with an intentional daily process. A daily process to where I commit time 
to engage the Word of God and let the Spirit of God transform me into the likeness of the Son of God. It starts with that daily process that I commune with God in prayer and allow Him to renew me and transform me, conforming me daily. But it also starts with that weekly process of a group of faithful followers of Christ committing to make Sunday a priority in the process that we gather in to discover Christ, to serve others, and to grow strong. It's not accidental. That's intentional. Really believe what is is critical to our personal spiritual growth is that we commit consistently corporate worship, small group, life group together to challenge one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds and to be faithful followers of Christ, but also to spur you on to get out of your seat and serve the Lord for others to be equipped so that the gospel can be advanced. And so when we see that on a weekly, here's what what church life ought to be every week. It ought to be the filling station that you come to and get your tank full so that you're ready to go out and live life on mission for Christ. It ought to be the huddle before the play. And and when we gather together and, and we're reminding ourselves, this is who we are. This is what God's commanded us to be. This is how it happens. And when we break huddle and we hike the ball, we execute the mission of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit of God in us for the glory of God. The world has yet to see, Chelsea has yet to see a body of believers totally committed to disciple making, yet to see it. But what if? What if God was able to work in us and through us because we yielded our life to Him? How are we going to do it? One disciple at a time, a day at a time, a week at a time, a year at a time. We must cultivate a disciple making strategy And part of that's going to mean we've got to think different than we've been thinking. This challenges us. Some things that we cannot wrap around and say, we ain't never done it that way before. We can't do that. I used to get in trouble when I said can't. Did you? Our people won't. Don't answer for him. That's too much to ask. Well, God asked his son to lay down his life and give his best and give his all and shed his blood so that we might have life. Is there anything too much for him to ask of us? How are we going to get there? Process over programs. It's all about the process daily. It's all about the process weekly. It's all about the trajectory of doing the right things to grow up to be like Christ in character and conduct. It's about the process of when we go out those doors living on mission because Jesus is worthy. It's about uh, disciples over decisions. We Baptists like counting our numbers from our money numbers to our noses, and, and we like to record them on annual reports. All that's fine and good and has its place, but decisions, numbers cannot trump disciples. We must look for spiritual transformation, relational investment over religious activity. There's some folks think that they're full-time Christians because they're here every time the door is open, and some of those folks that are here every time the door is open could be as carnal as that brick road out there. I mean, they, they're just hard heart. It, religious activity doesn't make you more religious. It's what God does in our heart. Relational investment's what we need to be looking at. Evaluation over tradition. Everything has to be evaluated through the mission. Disciple making, advancing the gospel. I'm all for keeping tradition that's good tradition. We are a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church. That's our tradition. We're conservative in our theology. That's our tradition. We are a vibrant, flagship church in our community. That's our tradition. We want to keep those things. 
But if it's not about disciple making and if there's something that we're doing that is not effective in making disciples, then why in the world keep on doing it? Because we've always done it. You've heard the story about the mom who baked a ham every Thanksgiving. And her daughter was watching her, and she's watched a couple of years, and she cut the ends of the ham off before she put it in the, in, in the pan to go in the oven. And she asked, Mom, why do you do that? Well, that's the way Mom did it. Well, why did Grandmother do that? I don't know. I have to ask her. Well, that's the way my mom did it. And when I tracked it all the way back down, the, the reason great-grandmother did it the way she did is because her pan was too small for the ham. <laughs> why do we do what we do? You see, we, we have crossed some of those decisions and made some tough decisions that not everybody liked because it threatened the way we've always done things. But, dear church, we need to evaluate based upon is it getting the job done or not. And disciple-making, missional over-attractional. Here's my last one and my favorite, army over-audience. It's not about how many people we can pack in here on a weekly basis, but it's how many warriors we can send out that door empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. It's not about the audience, but it's about the army that is willing to live life sacrificially on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ every single day with all that you have. I'm going to try to land a plane. I'm really going to try. J.D. Greer in his book, Gaining by Losing. By the way, J.D. Greer, you might hear his name as our next SBC president. He said, um, we need to rethink how we see ourselves on mission. He said, a lot of people who come to church and sit in our churches see ourselves as a cruise liner, offering luxuries for the whole family, such as sports, entertainment, child care services, business networking. They show up at church asking only, can this church improve my religious quality of life? Does it have good family ministry facilities? Does the pastor preach funny, time-conscious messages that meet my felt needs? Do I like the music? However, if the church ever ceases to cater to their preferences, there are more ships in the harbor, and they'll go find them another cruise liner, and they'll jump on board. Don't we see that happening? There's another mindset that we're a battleship. The church is made for mission. Its success should be seen in how loudly, dramatically it, it um, fights the mission. It's certainly better than the cruise liner. However, it implies that it is the church institution that does all the work. Uh, it is the church institution that does all the fighting. The role of the church member is to pay for the pastors to find the targets and launch the guns in order to defeat the enemy. They see the programs, services, and ministries of the church as the primary investment and instrument for mission. Not so. Here's the better idea. What about an aircraft carrier? Like battleships, aircraft carriers engage in battle, but it's not the same way. Aircraft carriers equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere. One man said it this way. When you're on an aircraft carrier, the goal is to keep the battle as far away from you as possible. You load up the planes to carry the battle to the enemy. Churches that hope to prevail against the gates of hell in our culture we must see ourselves as aircraft carriers, not like battleships and certainly not like cruise liners. Members need to learn that you are a soldier for Christ when you go out that door. You come in here and you land on this aircraft carrier in order to be refueled, in order to be 
re-equipped uh, in order to be inspired so that when you go out that door, you take the battle personally, one-on-one, eyeball-to-eyeball, person-to-person to the enemy. We must learn as a body of believers to personally share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Statistics are alarming and have been for years at how many people who sit in church on a weekly basis have never, ever shared the good news of the gospel with somebody else. We've got to change that. And so I pray that when we land on a weekly basis, we'll have a good takeoff when we go in our community and we'll take the battle to the enemy and we'll tell others about Christ. There's some things we need to rethink and understand. We must understand that the church is not an audience to be entertained. Hello. It is an army to be empowered. We must understand God's not interested in catering to my preferences or yours, but He is interested in conforming us to Christ's likeness. God's not nearly as much interested in our happiness as we are, He is far more interested in our holiness and being holy as He is holy cost. Our success as a church will never go beyond the commitment of each one of you to the great commandment and to the great commission to love the Lord your God with all that is within you and to make disciples. The success of the church, the body of Christ i.e. Liberty Baptist for the next generation is not going to be found in better programs. won't even be found in a third worship service. won't be found in better preaching, but it's going to be found in sending out better men and women as soldiers for Christ. That's called equipping. That's called disciple-making. Spirit-filled men and women who have taken up Jesus' call to make disciples. This reminds you of this as we try to land this plane. Our God is a sending God. As you read the New Testament, as you read the Old Testament, you get that idea. If He is a sending God, then if we're His people, that means we're sent people. Jesus is referred to in the New Testament as sent 44 plus times. After His resurrection, guess what Jesus did? He looked at His disciples and He said, As the Father sent me, hey guys, so send I you to Jesus And to follow Him, we must live sent on mission for His glory, on His agenda, not ours. So Jesus' command to every disciple is to make disciples as we live out our lives through our daily routine. When Christ calls us to follow Him, He says it's all going to be easy. All your worries will be behind. You won't have any relational strife. You won't have any financial crisis. You won't have any conflict with anybody. Is that right? It's going to be easy. No, he said, you want to follow me? First thing you got to do is one of the hardest, deny yourself. The second thing you got to do is real hard. Take up your cross daily and then, then you can follow me. This 2020 vision becomes reality. It's going to take me. It's going to take our staff. It's going to take our leadership. It's going to take every member denying self, taking up a cross, and following Jesus, living on mission for His glory. Plainly put, a a relationship with Jesus requires total, superior, and exclusive devotion. He has to be Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all. He is King of kings, and He's Lord of lords. question is, is He your Lord, your Master? Is He your King? 
I would say based on Scripture and what he's already done for us, he's a king worth living for. And he's even a king worth giving your life for. And may we grow an army of people to do that. So how are we going to do that? Go back to the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with, what's the next word? You can stop right there, with all. What does that look like? Just like this. You know how Baptists normally sit in church? Just like that, white-knuckled. It's mine. I'll give you this. Don't ask for this. Here's what Jesus says. Love me with all. All that you are and all that you have. Can I ask you something? Is Jesus worth trusting with your all? Is he worth trusting with your time? Is he worth trusting with your talent? Is he worth trusting? Let me meddle a little bit with your money, with your treasure. I, I did some checking. I don't look at individual givers. I'm too fleshly for that. I'd get mad at some of you if I did that. But anyway, I look at my giving. But I look at trends. And Kelly can give verification of this. I ask for big picture stuff. You know what the, the state poverty level is? About 24,600, somewhere in that ballpark. I want to just ask you this. What's that tithe off of 24,600? You get that number in your mind. Do you tithe? You don't tithe if you do that, but some of you might. But do you give at even a poverty level? We've got a number of giving units based upon denominations of giving. You know what I found out? There's a whole lot of people living in poverty in our congregation based on your giving. So really, if we get serious about time-telling and treasure, are we really going to trust God to be obedient? with the law of the tithe. You know what tithe means? 10%. That a hunting camp, and they got in that discussion with old preachers sitting at the table. They knew I was a preacher. So is that off the gross? Is that off the net? And I just pulled out one of Billy Sunday's sayings. Well, it depends on if you want a gross blessing or a net, say, a net blessing. <laughs> He's worthy to be trusted, isn't he? Open palms. It's going to take you personally identifying people in your path and then personally investing in their life and personally having a conversation with them about Jesus and then personally helping them to grow to be like Christ. Why in the world would I want to be on mission with that? Here it is. Because he is worthy. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The only begotten of the Father, the perfect God-man, the one who became God in the flesh, the one who identified perfectly with us, yet he sinned not, the one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, because he is worthy, the one who climbed up on a cross and took your death penalty and mine upon himself, experienced the full wrath of a holy God poured out upon him on a cross, the one who shed his blood, the one who died, the one who was buried, but the one who rose again on the third day. Why would I engage in a mission? Because he gave his life that I might have life and have heaven as my eternal home because he is worthy of my best because he gave his best. Why would I invest the first fruit of time every day? Because he's worthy. Why would I invest the first fruits of my talent to equip others and for his glory? He alone is worthy. Why would I invest the first fruits of my treasure? By the way, I wrote my tithe check 
subject this morning. It's at least a tenth, and, and, and I'm unashamed of that. Thankful, God, for letting me be able to write that check. I write two a month to Liberty Baptist Church, not bragging, just saying I'm on board. I'm on mission with my time, with my talent, and with my treasure, but I want some more folks on board. I'm not all that I need to be in time, talent, and treasure, but I want to keep growing in that. I want you to grow with me. Why would I make Sunday a priority that more than once a month is active for me, that maybe it's a priority every week because he's worthy? Why would I be a part of a new life group and leave my friends and family in the old life group? Because he is worthy. Why would I be a leader of a new group and step out and do something I've never done before? Only because he is worthy. Why would I be willing to swap classrooms? By my word, I've got cushions on my seat where I am. Why would I swap? Because he is worthy. Why would I attend worship before I attend life group? Because he is worthy. Why, if I'm doing worship and then life group now, would I swap and do life group and then worship? Because he's worthy. Why would I choose to worship at a different hour than my student? Because he is worthy. Why would I consider others more important to me? Because he is worthy. Why would I give up my seat in the worship center or go help get more chairs? Because he is worthy. Why would I take time to pray daily for my church? Because because he is worthy. Why on mission? He's worthy. Oh, what the world needs today, what Chelsea, Alabama needs today is for the church to be the church. That begins with you. Is he worthy? From your perspective, are you willing? Here's your decision today. Are you here? are you here? Here's a prayer that I've been praying wrapping up to this week. Lord, help me see where we really are. Help me see where I am. Lord, help us understand where you want us to be. Oh, God, help me understand where you want me to be. And then, oh, God, show us how to get there. You know that when, that third service, and what about that third service? Will you join me in praying, Lord, show us where we are, show us where we need to be, and then here's the prayer about that third worship service, show us how to get there. That's what I'm praying. But I can tell you, when we get there, it's going to be good. It's going to be good because Christ's going to be exalted. He said, if I'm exalted, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. It might not be your personal preference or what you've got on your podcast that you pull off and listen to, But if it exalts Jesus, it will bring glory to heaven and glory to the name of God. Liberty Baptists, I pray that we'll see great and mighty things that we know us not because God gets a hold of this group of people and he sends us on mission and we believe it and we're on board because he is worthy. Palms up. Open. Hear, my Lord, all that I am, all that I have, it begins with me, extends to you, and that will be the success of being on mission with Christ. Let's pray. Father, guide our thoughts. We're going to sing, and we enjoy singing. But, Father, help us to pay attention to the words. May this be our prayer. Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, I need you. Father, I do. I don't like to deny self because I like me. I don't like to sacrifice time.
because I want to do what I want to do. Sometimes I even struggle and share my talent for your glory. Oftentimes, Father, I struggle with the treasure until I remember all that I am, all that I have came from you. And Father, you've given me your best in Christ. You've given me a privilege to be called a son of God. You've given me the opportunity to be a part of a supernatural mission of making disciples. And you just ask of me to be willing, to be available, to be an ambassador. And you have already given us the word to say. And you promise that you'll give us the power to be obedient. So, Father, I pray for me. I pray for Liberty Baptist. We'll be palms up. We'll be open palms to you. We'll say, Lord, here we are. Use us like Isaiah that found himself in the presence of the Lord. And he responded to that invitation. Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? Hear my Lord, send me. I pray, Father, that we'll be faithful stewards of the gospel and that we'll be faithful at equipping saints for the work of ministry so that when we gather every week, Father, we're ready to take the battle to the enemy in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. In our community, we thank you for where we live. It's a tremendous place. But, Father, there are needs, and I pray that you give us a burden for our community and open our eyes and help us to see people as you see them. But, God, empower us with words of the gospel. We can't do it on our own. At Liberty Baptist, we have a good heritage. We have longevity. But, Father, I pray that in the days ahead, there will be a legacy of the power of God that swept through this group of believers and did what no man can do. We need reviving. We need refilling. Father, we need you. May we surrender. Father, during this time, during this first Sunday of the new year, first invitation, I pray that we'll offer you all that we are and all that we have for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.